car is not bad. A car is a car. It's got an engine. It's got a steering wheel. Um, this is where I fall short because I don't know much else about cars. But a car is not bad in and of itself. And money, right? Money is not bad in and of itself. In fact, money is actually a secondary conditioner, which is using a bit of a psychology term, which is basically saying money is associated with things. That's where it gets its value. It, it has value because of what it can be exchanged for. Money on its own doesn't hold actually that much value, especially digital currency, not in a hard coins or notes, is worth nothing on its own. In an apocalypse, what's your money worth? So money's not bad or good, just like a car is not really bad or good. And praise and criticism, which is a bit more tricky, but it's actually hard for praise or criticism to actually really be judged as good or bad things in and of themselves. Not all criticism is bad and not all praise is good. So things are difficult. Things are difficult. And you go to animals as well. It's like, are lions good or bad? Are insects and bugs, are they good or bad? And this is something a, a big Anthony DeMello concept is, you know, animals and parts of nature are neither good or bad. They can't, because they can't be anything other than themselves. It's very interesting. But so too, all these objects, in the last episode of the podcast, it talked about extrinsic rewards. One of these things can't really be judged as good or bad. They're just things. So don't blame the things. If you're going to point the finger, point at how they're used. You know, a sword is not bad, but a sword can be used to do terrible things if someone uses the instrument that way. Just like a hammer can be used to fix things and build homes for people, and a hammer can be used as a tool of violence too. So, things are not to be judged. It's the way we relate to them. And I want to talk about that today on the podcast because we've been talking about extrinsic and intrinsic. And as we talk, I think what I find is that as we talk about this idea and unpack it, it's easy to start thinking, oh, okay, don't want shiny cars, don't want fancy stuff, don't want big houses, don't want promotions, don't want fame. And, but sometimes these things can be tools. Sometimes these things can be harmless. It's not the things themselves, it's how they're used. Now, I'll give you examples. This is something I talked about in a video I made a long time ago before the podcast, um, but on the concept that we've talked about on the podcast the of the luxury trap. And it, it was this idea of a genuine versus disingenuine, disingenuous, rather, indulgence. So you take someone who grew up adoring Ferraris, they had Ferrari posters in their room. They had Ferrari bed sheets. They went to all the motor shows, went straight to the Ferraris, had a Ferrari cap, had a Ferrari toys, grew up and their dream was to buy a Ferrari. When they had enough money and all their bills were paid and their family was looked after, this person, boy or girl, whoever it was, went and bought their first Ferrari and enjoyed it and loved the experience of the car. Very genuine indulgence. Whereas you take another example of someone who didn't grow up worshipping Ferraris, didn't grow up admiring them for them for their design, for the creation, right? For the beauty of the piece of art that is a Ferrari sports car. You get the person who grew up 
and all their friends, all their rich friends around them bought Ferraris. And this person, to fit in, then went themselves and bought a Ferrari. So you see the difference in those two stories. And it's the sports car, which is one of the ultimate images of uh, extrinsic rewards, is not really to blame. And it's blameless. It's just a car. It's just doing its best. It's doing what it's designed to do, actually. Ironically, cars are better at doing what they're designed to do than people are. So it's an easy one to pick on. It's an easy thing to see someone with a, a fancy sports car or any nice car and think, you know, what does that say about them? So this is not the message of this uh, bunch of episodes on the podcast. It is not to tarnish uh, material objects. They get quite a bashing already. There's nothing wrong with those things. And there's nothing wrong with having those things, in my opinion, if you have a healthy relationship with them. Now, my perspective on a lot of, I guess, material goods is the whole minimum viable lifestyle principle, which is obviously one of the cornerstones of the podcast and everything I kind of stand for as a person. It's just being clear on what you value and what value it holds to you. So in those two examples I talked about, the genuine indulgence, genuine love of the car, irrespective of friends and, and culture and around that, and just love of the machine and the design and appreciating its beauty compared to the person who it's, it's an extrinsic reward in, or rather it's a marker for them. It's a social marker. It gives them a social image and that's their um, priority. And you weigh them up and the difference. You just see how it's the completely different style of energy. And you see how, you know, one of them is an appreciation of value and one of them is overlooking value. Really, it's a misunderstanding value. It's an inappropriate judge of value. And that's, that's the point of the minimum viable lifestyle, to huck back to that, back to the first three episodes of the podcast, is not to do without everything. It's to appreciate things for the value they have and how valuable they are to you. So someone's minimum viable lifestyle might be having a Ferrari. Right? It's not for me to judge. It'd be quite questionable but not for us to judge. Maybe it is a very individual thing. Now, that's an easy example, right? Sports cars, very black and white. For the sort of person listening to this podcast, it's not something that you're going to agonize over. Uh, but the other things, I think, are more, you know, praise is much more subtle. That's a trickier one. Money, kind of as well. Money can be very confusing. It's very confusing to figure out what money actually is for a lot of people. And a lot of these things, we just project onto them what we need, especially money, especially praise. So it's more about the relationship it has with you. Now, the way I think about praise is one example, because I found praise to be a bit of a trick and a trap. I try and take specifics out of praise and look this at the content of the message. So for example, Joe, I like the, the podcast episode about don't, don't judge things. I liked it because it brought up specific examples of what to and what not to do and it resonated with me and I made this so that's very specific whereas someone who says oh that podcast episode was stupid or that podcast episode oh was really great why was it great oh it was just great so you see the difference so that's a that's you know the praise can be like a drug and that's a much more subtle one you know that relates to how 
we deal with children at school. It relates to how we motivate people around us. Uh, praise is much more subtle. But again, it's the relationship with the thing, not the thing itself. There's some great Anthony DeMello wisdom on this, as there is for everything. And I think one idea I'd love to bring up of his is, you know, people people can't reject you. They can only reject the idea they have of you, which is amazing insight, right? It's like no one, uh, people only ever have an impression of you, even the people who know you best. It's hard for people to fully, fully, fully know you and see you exactly as you are. Because it's hard for you to see yourself exactly as you are. So it's really interesting to think about that and how you relate to what people think of you when it's just based on their perception and their perception of you is probably colored by their own biases. So I find that fascinating. There was a second idea of the Mellows one to bring up, but I actually think that that probably speaks more um, powerfully. So again, one of the tests for this I think is what I call the anonymity. I think I put in a blog post called the Nobel Prize for Anonymity, which is, would you do the thing you're doing if no one ever saw you do it? Which is very similar to audience of none. But if no one, if you didn't get credit for your great idea, if no one ever saw you driving your Ferrari, if you were an anonymous person, kind of like the Satoshi Nakamoto, or whoever it was, created Bitcoin, but we don't know exactly who the individual is. You know, no one actually got to see you, the person behind, like the Wizard of Oz. No one got to see the person behind, you know, and you were anonymous for your great accomplishments. Would you still do them? Would they still be great out in the world and would you still have enjoyed creating them intrinsically? And the other test you can use is the whole minimum viable lifestyle. You know, what's the least your life can be? Like, do you need these things? Do you want them? And what's your relationship with them? You know, is there something you'd struggle to let go of? Is there something you'd struggle to let go of? So that's the question today is what do you have to lose by being honest with yourself? And what do you have to gain? Sometimes we're relying on these things. We've built them into our life. You know, an addiction to a following or to praise or any of these things. We've built it in. So what do you have to lose by being honest that it's like it's a little bit of a it's extrinsic kind of trap for you maybe or you don't have the healthiest relationship with it and maybe you need it more than you should and you should just want it instead and it should be a bonus rather than an essential. What do you have to lose by being honest with yourself about that? And then doesn't mean you have to let go of it straight away, so don't panic. But you give it permission with time to leave your bucket. all the things you have in your life you give it permission to leave in its own time doesn't have to happen overnight so don't panic but the first step I think is being honest so you can think about that today what do you have an unhealthy relationship with and it could be a person but things are blameless it's the way we relate to them thanks very much guys been another fun and great episode of the with joe eb podcast we'll be back again tomorrow so as always remember that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others if you can do that by sharing the podcast use it as a tool to do so or just talk about the ideas you know reflect on them and yeah be a door opener for someone else thank you very much guys see you again tomorrow